Welcome to Esoteric Modulation, episode 011. It's like porn for the magnetically attracted. Esoteric Modulation is your fortnightly podcast that covers all the wild and wonderful world of modular, exciting and unusual instruments, and we take a look into interesting sound and visual art projects too. My name's Ed Ball. And I'm Ben Wilson. And in this episode, we're going to talk about my recent trip out to the Pacific Northwest into Seattle and Portland for Velocity and a whole DivKids West Coast adventure with a serious leaning to our magnetic attraction to tape and some of the tape injection that I had out in the States. But how's it going, Ed? Well, Ben, wow. Um, Where do I start? We always say, I think, in all our shows, we've been really busy. So I'm sorry to sort of keep saying that, but this past couple of months has been massively busy for us both, I know. So I first I'm going to apologise to people out there that we did miss a show a couple of weeks ago. So apologies for that. It's been busy my end. People may not know, but I also do creative direction work as well for companies. And normally I never let that take up more than 50% of my time, but there's been some projects on of late and it's taken way over that. So I've literally had no weekend. This this Saturday was my first weekend, Ben, that I actually had a day off. So it's been massively busy. Now, I am going on about that, but Ben, I had a look at your itinerary in the States and you just look like you were flat out too. Yeah, yeah, trying to push the idea of running myself ragged to new heights, I think. And yeah, really busy. We always say we're busy, as many people do. All sorts going on that has me in a bit of a weird brain fog at the moment. But the US trip was, yeah, really, really jam-packed. And before we get into it, I would just like to thank some people for that trip. That's Bradley and Josh of Modular Seattle, and Cindy and Tom from Patchworks, who are the kind of key four players in the event Velocity, which is velocityseattle.com, if no one's heard of it at this point. And they brought me over for the event. It was a sponsored trip with me as the media partner for the trip. There's a ton of videos to come. I'd also further like to thank Patchworks again. They offered to help extend my trip and extend my stay and sponsor a load of content that's going to come soon. I've got to give a huge thanks to David Powlan, who really went above and beyond driving god knows how many miles putting me up in his house and just generally being good company and a great host for the whole trip i should also thank tim from podmod and his wife hannah for making the div den that i slept in a couple of nights <laughs> a nice little comfy little uh, little corner that they set up for me like the dog in his basket at the corner while they sleep in the real bed <laughs> like having the div kid dog over <laughs> yeah 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 they treat me really well and just to thank anyone and everyone involved in velocity and that i met in seattle and portland i had a really amazing time really great supportive community but the trip itself thank yous aside was for the event velocity a new potentially annual that's yet to be confirmed event that just brought a ton of the modular scene together they really went above and beyond to make a huge event way beyond the monthly modular nights events that happen out there and the modular on the spot events in the months where it's not going to rain it off and we got down to portland as well i did a ton of manufacturer interviews artist interviews feature videos however you kind of want to spin it just a whole yeah div kids west coast adventure just a trip around the pacific northwest trying to meet as many people as i could and on that trip i had a real serious injection of tape which played into me and you being a little bit tape obsessed at the minute yeah it's not the coco Qantas; it's tape for both of us almost laughably at the moment (laughs) but a real injection of tape with aunt annie amulets and marcus fisher and i wanted to play some examples of what's to come 
bits of performances, bits of tape stuff, and just indulge in the loveliness of tape for this episode. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this because your adventure looked brilliant. I was seriously considering maybe coming along, but as my schedule just got, you know, I could see the diary filling up. I just thought there was absolutely no chance. But if it is annual, I may try and get down to that next year. It'd be an amazing event. It looked amazing. And obviously you were sort of keeping in touch with me along the way with a few things here and there. It did look absolutely amazing. Unfortunately, I didn't get to do any yumminess like that for me, but I did get down to Simfest, uh, so I caught up with a few people at Simfest, like uh, Robin Scanner and Matthew Shaw. So that was quite nice. Uh, but yeah, you weren't down there though. <laughs> no, no, it was the same day. Unfortunately, Velocity was October fifth, the same as <laughs> Simfest. It would have been great to see everyone, but um, it was seriously clouded by this amazing <laughs> US trip. I've got to be honest. There's no way he's going to pop back for Simfest, was there? Let's be. <laughs> no, no, and this was the first meeting many companies that. I work with many artists that I talk to and engage with online. I met Nathan Moody for the first time in person, which was great. I had a really great day with Nathan. And with a nice little happy accident technique, actually, from something with Nathan to come later in the show. Oh, yeah, I did listen to that. Yeah, so we'll sort of start it by saying that over the last couple of months, it's no underestimation to say we've had tape on our mind a lot. I mean, there is lots of texts that go back and forward from us two with fines on eBay at the moment. That's yeah, encouraging each other. <laughs> encouraging each other to like lay down some cash for tape. And uh, we have bought a few things along the way where I'm just sort of finding out what I want and, and where I want to go with that. You bought uh, not so long back the, what I call now the Cortini 414, which is <laughs> the uh, task, the classic Tascam 414. So you've got one of those and looks really nice. And I got similar full track, but um, I went for the Yamaha MT2X, where it's got like this real brutalist design, sort of love-eight design on it, which I quite like. So it'd be interesting to see how those two get on. And then I've been looking at things like the Hua 440 report. I wouldn't mind one of those. Of course, the Nagras, Sony Walkman cassettes as well. I want some of those. And then I've been looking at interesting things like the OM1, the cassette synthesizer. And I've had this on my mind for quite a while, the music thing modular, magnophone module, which I really like to look at. But it's all been about tape. You've been getting your wallet out and laying a few shingles down on stuff yourself, haven't you, Ben? A little bit. The tape obsession before cassette or reel-to-reel or any of that was tape delay. Yes. And I've been back and forth with tape delay a little bit, but I have ended up with four of them (laughs) at the moment. It's Space Echo, which is great. Quite good condition. It's it's got enough character. It's not so clean and well-serviced that it's characterless. Because they get a little bit tape. For me, I'm more interested when it's not perfect i don't want nice pristine hi-fi tape in any form because i think pedals and software get so incredibly close to it that it's almost just you're just using it it's just cumbersome it's just a pain to you if it doesn't offer something different and each piece that's kind of my rule with studio gear and you could get into how ridiculous having four tape delays is but if they don't offer something unique they don't have a place. I don't really want to double up on gear just for the sake of hoarding it. And the Space Echo is the nicer, cleaner one. 
Yeah, I have an old cartridge-based system, which is like putting uh, SNES games in a in a console, which is quite nice. Which is the Echo Chamber by Melos. I think that was also branded as a couple of other names as well, but they're exactly the same. And that's super dark. So much filtering to remove all the kind of tape hiss and noise that I'm not sure how usable it is. I think I want to. Right. I did use it in a video for the Moffins Eve Stargazer. And we can link that if anyone's curious. We can put that in the show notes on esotericmodulation.com. And you can hear it's just this really dark, very characterful. That is maybe too dark. We'll see. I've old pedals that are really dark. BBD-based delays that are super dark as well. And they're great on things like guitars, but I'm not sure for me on synths where that sits. Yeah. Then there is an old prototype by Mike Legg, the ML1, and Soundgas had two of these in, in the UK. And I believe the owner kept them for himself, and I've got the other one, and it arrived, and there's there's valve sockets or tube sockets missing, and a transformer where you can see the cables have been snipped. So I rang them back up, and I'm like, I think there's stuff missing on this. And he said, no, it's basically a slab of wood with a cage over the top on a hinge that was his prototyping thing so that socket isn't connected to anything that transformer ended up not being needed now there are other transformers and tubes on this thing it sounds lovely but it's very much a prototype but it's it's not a mess it's just you look at it and think looks like parts are missing on that (laughs) that sounds a really interesting piece it's like it's like seeing the dna of something come together isn't it very interesting and i I don't know of mike legg's kind of history or legacy but he um i think tape specialist and he passed away before these came to life so absolutely glorious on acoustic instruments it's weird how some of these things are voiced differently yeah and then i got a modded copycat which was the ic400 which is the very speed model because the copycats are still cheap the old wem copycats about 200 pounds for one in in good nick which is not a lot for a tape delay or a pedal even and i also picked this ic400 up cheap it's got sound on sound it's a bit of a longer delay time and that's the first example i'd like to play a piece called tweed moo which is an anagram of ode to wem and just the sound of that thing. It's a really simple synth patch on the modular, but the tape really brings it to life. So I'd wanted to start these examples in the show with a little bit of my piece, Tweed Moo. Yeah, that's just lovely, Ben, isn't it? I mean, it's got oodles of character, got lots of depth to it. Yeah, it's just, it's a really nice, simple sounding piece, isn't it? Really simple melody. I mean, for anyone interested, really quick to run down. It's just a triangle wave from an oscillator into a log pass gate, a pitch sequence and a gate sequence striking the log pass gate. There's no envelopes involved, it's just pinging the vactrals. Out into the tape delay, back into the modular, and a splash of make noise herb verb, which is the stereo reverb. It's, it's a fairly low blend. It's not drenched in reverb by any stretch, but yeah, just letting the delay do the talking. But it's just, it's as you said, all the heavy lifting there is done by that tape delay. 
and just how that can add to your sound arsenal. It does really add something. Also, you get a sense of space within it, don't you? Yeah, and keeping the melody minimal and simple, I think forces attention onto the sonic character. I mean, if it was in a denser mix, I'd definitely be EQing that. You know, if it's all being multi-tracked as a, as a bigger production or something, it's yeah. a bit too heavy to just kind of run over, you know, many sounds playing at once. But it's a really nice sounding delay unit for not much money. As you said, we've been doing a bit of eBay hunting <laughs> and linking each other and peer pressure, pressuring each other. <laughs> and goading each other like, go on, go on, you got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Moving on from tape delay, though, that leads me out to this US trip. And the first kind of, I had a day and a half of tape. It was a really lovely weekend actually in Portland. I went to see Eli and Annie. And this is just camera audio. I don't have the direct audio yet because I didn't make that recording, which I hopefully will have by the time I do the video. I went and did a feature video with Anne Annie, got my own little kind of solo performance, look around the room. We were spreading tape around his dining room chairs and this is really just this chewed up, mangled reel of tape that he had. So it's just camera audio, but just the glitch and abuse that this tape has had. I just wanted to share it. And you can hear Eli at the other side of the room. Well, we're both talking for a start because we were thinking we were just going to use direct audio, but grabbing at the tape and snatching at it. Almost like a dog with a bone, the pair of us reaching for this tape. tell you what ben that tape sounds like it's been through the mangler a bit doesn't it it's just absolutely all over the shop but i tell you what i love about that i mean you know you would have probably put the direct audio in there if you got it but i love the ambience of the room a couple of people are talking in the background that could be a scanner track <laughs> it, sets the scene. it really does set the scene for these things yeah. and actually yeah just the camera mic yeah, it's got a little charm to it that suits how beaten up it is. It's really nice to hear that direct sound when Anani played Velocity about a week later than the feature video that I recorded with him. And this is his tape machine with some Foley sounds. And I'm not sure if the Foley sounds, the bird song, is coming through the tape or not, but the chord drone in the background definitely is. And it's all, almost as beaten up as the example that we've just listened to. Listening to that again, Ed, I think I'm wrong. I think the Foley sounds are on tape because it all just lines up with the warble and the tape being pulled. Yeah, I just kept stopping it and starting it actually uh, to, to see that because it's really hard because as it's the tape's glitching, it seems like those bird songs do duck under, but you're not too sure whether that's just a, a trick of your ears doing that because it's glitching at the same time. Whatever, however it's built up, it's got a lovely feel to it, this has, hasn't it, with the mixture of Foley uh, with the, the chords and the actual tape glitching as it does. Yeah, just tape noise. and It's really engaging. It was a really engaging start to his set. And we haven't got time to play the long, emerging, slow fade of the whole thing. But the next example, again, is direct recording from that live set. And it's where the melodies start to come in. The very kind of trademark Anani 
plucked rings kind of sound. It's like being in a spa in an Asian forest. <laughs> it is. That's what it was. It just, That's where I was. <laughs> it just sets a really lovely tone, and it very nicely and slowly evolved. There were soft bass drum hits coming in, giving you know some real sub through the room. And I will just say, and people will have to wait for the full live set to see what this is, but the set did take a bit of an unexpected uh, twist and turn, which definitely surprised the audience beyond there. Yeah, I love this, Ben. It's, you know, signature Anani over that tape, and the foley is just beautiful, isn't it? Um, really, really nice. And it sort of slowly emerges, and you've got this reversing of sounds as well as we're going through. Very nice, isn't it? I'm guessing that was a great thing to see. Yeah, definitely. And as I said, there is that unexpected twist and turn in the full live set, which will come when people see the full performance video. Yeah, I look forward to seeing that. So who else was there and uh, what was the next person up? Yeah, well, as, as well as all these people playing, performing Monkey and giving me solo performances, every time I went, I was like, yeah, play a bit. And I'll just sit and listen <laughs> for these videos. Uh, pretty much everybody played Uber Driver for me as well. And uh, Eli gave me a lift over to see Randall, who is Amulets. Again, for a little feature video, some playing, some performance, some interview, a little kind of artist feature. And I just want to dive straight into this example, guitar being the focus, but again, very cassette and tape heavy as well. Again, all type of yumminess here. I love this one too. And I've been looking at amulets on YouTube for a while now. Well, a couple of years. Um, I love his stuff. And this is just sort of typical him, isn't it? It's just beautiful, mellow, full of richness. Really nice. Yeah, I mean, I was totally full of coffee and zend out vibes for the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, very, yeah, it's amulets. It sounds great. I love the noise in this. The start of the little performance that we've got for that video, again, coming soon. Just, you can almost hear the loop points coming round as it sort of pings his effects chains and just fading in the guitar with either volume knob on the guitar or pedal. It was a pedal in this case. And just taking the front end off that note on each of those guitar melody notes it just changes the perception of the thing and it's a you know that's a common sound people have heard guitars fading in before but it does completely change the vibe from just plucking a string i've followed amulets for a long while now as i say on youtube and you just can't be anything but chilled out can you listening to his work it's absolutely beautiful what sort of setup did he have there at the time so the guitar and the pedal board and we really went through the order of the pedals a bit like my effects chain in my live modular case which isn't yeah. tape based having these like split points 
which is built around loopers. So if you want affected guitar sounds to be looped, they could be, or there's a looper at the beginning if you want to loop a clean guitar part and then affect it further downstream. So the really nice setup of, you know, being able to layer dry loops, affected loops, loop affected sounds on a pedal board. And then it was, I think it was a Tascam 414 and another tape machine playing tape loops. I can't remember that model. There's a couple of pedals as well, like a briefcase setup, rocked up with a big kind of briefcase luggage bag. Right, yeah. Just one thing to mention with Amulets as well, before we move on, he does have a new album out on vinyl. I'm not sure if it's on cassette, but definitely download on Bandcamp, which we will link to in the show notes, and vinyl as well, which is always nice to see people pushing the boat out with vinyl releases. It's always a nice thing to love and hold and feel while you're listening to these things. Yeah, I think so. The tape and the vinyl scene's just a a lovely thing that's sort of blooming around at the moment. Yeah, def- absolutely. I think yeah, synths, modular effects, being outside of a screen, it's definitely the main thing. I think for a lot of people, it's just interface and something being tangible in your hands. So the next person on my little tip injected weekend in this trip in Portland was Marcus Fisher. And I didn't know he was in Portland. He sent me a message either while I was with Anani or Amulets the day before. I can't remember which. Just saying, hey, are you in Portland? And I was like, yeah, why? And he said, um, I'm in Portland, which I didn't know. So very quickly the day before I realized, right, I'm going to go see Marcus, which was great. It extended my kind of little tape trip out by another day, which was lovely. And Marcus has been doing tape-based work with guitar and synths and the whole range of loopers and effects probably since the mid to late 90s, I think it is now. So this is Marcus Fisher, and he had two Nagra machines set up with a tape coming up around hooks on the ceiling onto a reel. And I was just entranced by the sound of the tape catching on the reel in the room and i realized very quickly that as we were recording direct audio of him playing and performing with his setup we're not going to capture the sound of these reels and i actually really wish it was part of it so the first example is just some camera audio pointing right at this reel catching and for some reason i was yeah entranced just fascinated by this thing let's take a listen There is something about that, isn't there? How did you sort of spot that? Did you just hear it and go, oh, that sounds interesting? It was loud in the room. It wasn't like we went quiet and you could hear it just swirling. It was fairly loud in the room. So the next example, again, is the camera mic, which is uh, Marcus starting to play his guitar and his, his looping setup. And you can still hear, because it's the camera mic, that this real... It's pretty loud in the room. I mean, we weren't playing quietly by any stretch. The speakers were up. This is where it really sings for me. It's really nice over the top of the music. accidents just listening to things and they work (laughs) and it 
just doesn't it it's craziness um that layered on top of that just sounds great doesn't it yeah and as you said it's room sound as well there's something about it so almost like i would when we go record live performances at different modular events i tend to eq and blend in a little bit of the camera mic with the direct audio just to give it some presence some feeling that it was live and of course you know audience clapping at the end you can fade that up and down I am going to with this, again, little feature video with Marcus Fisher. I think I'm going to blend a bit of the camera mic in, but yeah, the sound of the room and just that shh, it's got to be in there. I can't get it out of my mind. So I'm definitely going to blend that into the direct sound. This was funny. This was where the title for the show came. I was sat watching Marcus play and on my phone, well, you know, tripod set up to do the actual video, just got my phone out and sent you a little text, Ed. And that's yeah. where the title comes from. It was, yeah, because uh, I was sort of sitting down at my desk and I got this text from you and first a picture came through of this amazing studio, two two Nagras on a plinth, a guy with a guitar on his lap. There's a big reel-to-reel aluminium reel in the middle with this tape being fed to it, modular in the background. I mean, I just, I was like dribbling over it and then you sent me a little video with, you've got to see this awesomeness that is unfolding in front of me now. Prepare for a tape loop semi-on. <laughs> <laughs> and as I was looking at it, I just went, oh, I was like, oh, wow, look at that. And so my response on Texas on it is, oh, my God, I need that set up. Wow, it's like porn for the magnetically attracted. <laughs> <laughs> just so funny because your text come through. It had me rolling around, you know, and then uh, sort of uh, banded that text back. It's the first thing that came into my head and banded that back. It was funny. But I mean, his setup just looked amazing. Those two Nagras, you know, connected with tape. I mean, it just looked a great setup. Was it, uh, was it a good atmosphere to be in? Oh yeah, really, really nice space. And clearly just a real master of this stuff. I mean, he was mixing, he had an ER301, the orthogonal devices module, right. and he rebuilt. It wasn't a quite a rebuild of mutable instruments, clouds, and it's more hi-fi than that as well, but rebuilt, you know, pitch shifting granular engine in that very hi-fi, very modern, wow. uh, you know, processor intense granular work. Yeah with all the rest of the modular that he had going on and then his guitar as the input and then out through a send and return loop on the mixer into these Niagara machines. So just an absolute kind of master of the lo-fi and the hi-fi and blending all these worlds. Nice, yeah. At one point that people will see when the video goes online, Marcus was knelt over these machines, pushing stickers in and out of the tape heads, you know, blocking out the arrays head so you're getting sound on sound looping, cutting out the record head so sound would start to cut in and out. And you yeah. can just tell he'd been doing that for years. I mean, yeah. I can ham-fisted shove something between the tape and the tape head, but not quite to that kind of style of finesse that Marcus had. He's playing them as an instrument, isn't he? Knowing that instrument, what it does and the little ins and outs of it and then playing that to the best he can. And that's basically what he's doing, isn't it, with it? Yeah, it's like you've said before, the effects chain is the instrument. It's kind of weird to think that reverbs and delays are the instrument, but in this case, absolutely. I don't think there's any argument that they're not. A far less masterful thing I wanted to play just to end our kind of ode to tape for the episode. And There are some other examples from the trip to come to as well. I managed to get up Mount Rainier, which is the second highest mountain in the US, 
just by a couple of hundred feet, I think. So it's, it's up there. Yeah. We went up about six and a half thousand feet. And thanks to David Powland that I was staying with for taking us up there. And we took the modular case that I had up there. I put together a variation of the live case that we talked about in episode eight. And it was really quite a variation. I couldn't get all the modules that I wanted. So things felt quite different. Just the end of chain reverb having a very different character definitely made me feel very different in terms of performing with it. And the reason I bring it up is I did a little performance with this, a little surprise set, and then used it for a workshop at Velocity and then got up Mount Rainier and we filmed a performance up there, which just great being clouded by this snow-capped mountain in the background of the shot and just sat by some modular on the floor and some snow and really lovely setting. But I, I think heavily influenced by having done this part of my trip, heavily involved in tape with Randall and Marcus and, and Annie, I was really indulging in just tape feedback. And it's not real tape feedback, it's the Strymon Magneto, but more so than I did in other performances with this case just using it as a sound and just something that I kept dipping in and out of. So I just wanted to play a little example of using tape feedback as a kind of transitional sound bed between two sections in a live set. doesn't it? I mean, you've really got that vibe going on with it. It's just trying to, yeah, in the same way as that very first piece we played in the show, just a little melodic piece that I made with the Wem copycat, just letting it breathe. And it does a very nice, it's a very hi-fi kind of model of tape. It doesn't do the, the lo-fi saturation of the real machines do or unkept, unserviced real machines. Yeah. But it really breathes. And it was just little granular particles and little kind of fades of noise played into that feedback and just letting the feedback run near enough 100% so it's working like a looper. And then out of that emerges this kind of low drone, which was a morphogene reel that I faded in. Nice. It's great, isn't it? Because we sort of, we've gone through all these little snippets of the artist and we've talked about, you know, a bit of an obsession with tape that we had at the moment, which this trip totally fed into, which was brilliant. And then you do this piece, which is, you know, it's got that vibe to it, the whole tape vibe to it. It's amazing, isn't it, that art is all about soaking in what's around you and responding to your circumstances at the, the time and, and expressing those. And again, I take this back to, you know, my visual art, that it's a big part of it, where you are, the surroundings you're in, the feeling that you're in, the type of music that you're playing at the time really affects that output. And you can tell with this, it's affected your output on that as well. The Magneto, was that very end of chain? Was that the last thing that you went through? Uh, there was the Black Hole DSP2 for reverb from Erica Sims. Was that after the Magneto? It was, yeah, that was the last thing. This was 
if people want to know more about that live setup, again, it's a variation of what we spoke about in episode eight. But yeah, they're the very end of the chain, the magneto and then a reverb. Yeah. Um, I don't think the reverb was on. And if it was, I think it's the spring from magneto. Um, I ended up having, I mean, I say dry, it's definitely not a dry sound by the time it gets to the end of chain anyway, but I wasn't putting reverb over the end for that whole piece. Yeah, I absolutely loved your effects chain. I'm uh, saving up for that effects chain. (laughs) (laughs) Just something about it and the way you were using it. uh, Yeah, very, very nice indeed. Well, it's the idea more than the specific modules. And that was the nice thing of going over there without any equipment and just giving, you know, a modular grid and a list of modules and intentions and just say, can you rebuild this for me while I'm over there? It came from needing this for my workshop, which was very much like the podcast, a zonal approach to performance and how I'd put this case together and where I was at and trying to share some musical ideas and some module specific things as well. Yeah. But the idea of the effects chain for anyone that missed it was to have ways to make an effect the ambience and the space in the sound, reverb, delays, granular processes, and then a looper and a filter after it. So I could capture that, filter out all the high end, filter out all the low end, but then after that loop point, this kind of central kind of pivot in the effects chain, have additional ambient-based effects, delays, reverbs. And it's a bit like what Randall was doing with his pedal board, Amulets, where you can then loop dry sound and make it wet and affected, or you can have wet, affected, granular process sounds and loop those. And you can let those trail off. Because if you filter out a delay trail, if the filter's after it, and you just turn the cutoff down on a low-pass filter, it obviously disappears. If you have a delay after the filter, you turn the, de- uh, the filter down, and the delay continues to trail off, presuming there's some feedback. And it was really trying to rinse that And that's where the magneto came in. I could do anything as wet or dry or affected or not and have that trail off and be responsive because it was end of chain or turn it off and have all the wet stuff be before the loops that I was using. It's just a really nice thing. And going to velocity and having not the exact modules that I wanted has kind of proved that the concept works for me. So so I've got a concept now that I want to kind of sit and live with without being too precious about specific modules. I mean, the Magneto will be hard to lose because I really like that thing, but the concept works and it's something we'll probably ring back to another time on another show as well. Yeah. It's like you've always said to me that, you know, you'll use or mention certain, you know, modules, but there's lots of modules out there and you can get similar effects with different modules. It's more of the mentality, isn't it, that you are attaching to your case and how you bring in all those together that gives you the flavor more than, oh, I've got to have this certain module. Talking about approaches and techniques, that's a nice pivot across to and transition into a a very odd, happy accident that happened with Nathan Moody. We were around at Paul Lebel's place, who is a box in the sea, uh, with Nathan Moody. And we kept an afternoon aside to, again, film these little feature interviews where we were together, short performances, and then, you know, grab a bite to eat in the evening. And the setup we had meant me and Paul couldn't listen while Nathan was performing. He was coming into my recorder and monitoring himself through the headphone out on the recorder. We didn't have the right splitters. I was all on borrowed equipment. So there was a lot of kind of hacking stuff together on this trip the best I could. So we're chatting away as Nathan's performing. Obviously, he puts his takes his headphones off. And we're like, oh, yeah, Nathan, that was great. Ha, 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 we couldn't hear it. 
you know, just kind of messing around. And Nathan said, I could hear you through the contact mics while you were talking. I'm like, oh shit, we've ruined this thing. He said, only at the end. And he had these hand-built instruments that were springs kind of stretched out on planks of wood. And he's bowing these and striking them with the back of the bow. Very nice, physical, cinematic sound design vibe to them. And you don't think of a contact mic like a mic. Had he had, you know, an SM58 on a stand or a condenser or something, I would have been sat in absolute silence just because that's my experience. There's a mic there, it's being used, shut up. The contact mic on the instrument, it just didn't click that it would pick us up. And they don't pick you up quite the way as as a mic does. But with some serious boosting of the end of his set, you can hear us kind of ghostly talking for his contact mic. And I just wanted to play that as a potential technique for people to explore. Let's have a listen. This is absolute gold. This is this is what I love about creativity, art, the happy accident. It's a thing that should be applauded because just listening to that is fantastic, isn't it? I mean, you'd be very hard pushed to set up to go about creating that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just happened. It's ghostly, it's unearthly, it's got something about it. And like we you know, we said earlier on, with the tape noise laid over the the original music, and it added something to that. Again, this is just brilliant, isn't it? I mean, I've had to really boost it to pull this up at the end. Yeah. So there's there's power noise in there. I think there's clock noise from the Coco Qantas that was part of the setup. Yeah. You can hear it's coming through his effects chain with a kind of echo delay like effect on there, yeah. but. It's unintelligible. You can't quite tell what we're saying. It's noisy. It's characterful. It's weird. It's ghostly. I'd like to pretend that I did it for a specific reason (laughs) other than, um, well, not. I was going to say rudely. We weren't rudely talking over the performance. Nathan was performing in headphones and we were just in his living room chatting away, Paul and I. But yeah, nice thing to happen. A nice technique. And it's made me wonder about contact mics that bit more. It's not something I've massively explored. And I was quite surprised it made its way in. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? That is morphogene fodder, if I've ever heard anything. It'd be great, wouldn't it, to put that on a morphogene and just sort of mangle that up as well. Yeah, really. It's amazing, isn't it, how these things can just happen and they can sort of then explode into you know a path that you investigate and go down yeah especially if and i imagine it would the pitch of the noise forms a tone that we perceive as like a steady fundamental pitch maybe when it's brought up in pitch if there's any kind of mains hum in there that could be used as a kind of weird sub bass you can maybe pitch it down enough that the high noise forms a particular tone i mean if it doesn't you could put a resonant peak in with some eq you could force it in there and butcher it in if you needed to but you're right absolute sample fodder just very noisy (laughs) sample fodder it is but actually it's it's, uh it adds to it doesn't it that's the thing i mean you know that might not have worked or it might have worked but that works doesn't it noise and all it works yeah if anyone wants to try it i'll send them the audio file leave us a comment 
on the website or on Instagram. And if you want to make this morphogene fodder, you're welcome. <laughs> I'll send you a file. Excellent. So the penultimate example from my trip in the US was filmed on my last day there. I was flying home that evening and I'd stayed in the Div Den in the Podmod Palace the <laughs> night before. Um, and Tim and I, a whole range of patch challenge stuff that we recorded and had a great time. And again, there's a video to come. But I'd not really patched much. I mean, I'd been up Mount Rainier doing this performance and I had this live case, but I'd really had no time at all to make music or sounds or do any kind of sound or audio work. And I just said to Tim, oh, just let me blow the cobwebs off before we do anything patch challenge wise. Let me just have a play around on your system. And this is the patch that emerged. It's a little interesting one. Rhythmic chord figures, effects layers, a nice little trick with a melody line. Just something that I wanted to play, and it's something that people will see on my YouTube channel soon. tell you what I had in my head listening to that is it could be a soundtrack to like a slow Japanese sword fight it's sort of like you slow down crouching tiger hidden dragon to that soundtrack it would be awesome because that's what I could see in my head listening to it it was uh, it was absolutely wonderful that it was lots of sort of uh, depth and whooshing going on and very powerful as well wasn't it um how did you get to that and what's it like playing on somebody else's setup that's not yours well that's why i wanted to share it and it's not trying to blow smoke up my own bum but i was quite impressed oh. I got any, <laughs> I was quite impressed they got anything out of someone else's setup because you're usually patching someone else's thing you're like where are the vcas oh have you got an envelope is there another lfo anywhere have you got a distortion and you know the modules you know well versed in all these different modules that a lot of people have at this point yeah. You are kind of fumbling around when it's someone else's setup, and I don't think you ever really escape that. It's not your comfort zone, it's not your modules. And again, I wanted to indulge in a lot of the things that Tim spoke about on Podmod. So it was the Telharmonic, which I know he really likes from Make Noise. That's where the cards are coming from. Right. To the uh, 100 Grit from Slappy Engineering. Really nice, driven, distorted filter and VCA combo. And then the main delay trail was the Dirty Murals from Recovery Effects. So it's got that oil can delay vibe in one of the modes, and that's the main kind of trailing sound. Yeah. And then uh, Clouds, I think it was Monsoon, one of the versions of the kind of micro clouds clones that are out there. That's doing the little two octave upper pitch shifted kind of parts in the background. What was giving that sort of whooshing, metallic, sword-like um, sound? Was that from the recovery effects? It was playing into it. So that's a delay and a reverb. And the reverb playing from the 100 grit filter sweeps, the way that that filter was modulated, then yeah. hitting that delay and reverb on the dirty murals was where that came from. A nice little technique I found with a melody, again, you know, I sort of impressed myself. I don't mean it was in any way really intentional when I just sat down and said, let me just blow the cobwebs off and make a patch before we do yeah. anything. Yeah. Using AM and FM synthesis and audio rate modulation to impose that little high-pitched melody 
into the patch. So at no point is that in the audio path for anything that we hear. I didn't patch that melody into an output or a mixer or anything like that. Yeah, It's just modulating things at audio rates. Uh, to try and impose other musical information on other things. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I'm going to take that track, I'm going to get Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I'm going to throw it down, and I'm telling you it's going to go so well. <laughs> it's got this very sort of precise, muscular sort of feel to it, hasn't it? Really nice, really nice thing. Yeah, really, and again, strange patching someone else's setup. And it was nice, you know, Tim said, oh, it's weird watching someone else patch your setup. It's the same feeling when someone comes here and I watch them and they do all the things that I don't usually do. And you always learn a lot from it. So it's a nice thing to try and do. Yeah, definitely. So on to our next and uh, our old buddy, Dart Sparkler, I guess. Yeah. What did I call him while I was there? The light twitcher, the bright firework. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Dark Sparkler. Yeah, Kyle Swisher. Kyle was a really big part of the trip as well. Kind of hit it off immediately. Helped drive me around to do bits of stuff I was doing. And yeah, it's really hit it off. But him playing his boot club, both live at Velocity and again at his place, as we did one of these feature videos that's to come, really kind of left a, a, a lasting kind of imprint on me, much like the tape has done. The sound of that system, which was a music easel and a not quite full, but a couple of rows of 200 series Buchler really was kind of shining tonally. It's a really beautiful sound. So we couldn't kind of do a show about my trip and not put this in. So the only thing other than the Bupa is a little splash of your old friend, the Eventide Space. That's the only additional thing going on in that example. Yeah, I've uh, been talking to Carl for a long time now, and I love his approach musically, how he does it. And his Eventide Space has been his trusty friend for a long time on, on the end of the chain on that Bupa. But you've got to say... It sounds glorious and a bit like the Surge, you know that ain't just straight up Euro rack, don't you, for some reason. It's got a sound and that sounded awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a really compelling argument for selling everything and going Mookla. I mean, the instrument itself, but Kyle and his approach as well. And we spoke a little bit in the interview that I did, again, that's to come, about why going Mookla. And he was going to, he wanted a self-contained instrument to learn, explore, absorb himself in and to become his instrument and his voice. And we were talking about it might have been a make noise shared system, which is a very lovely instrument too, or Buchla. And the sum of the parts and the tone and his approach, yeah, it's a really compelling argument 
for going down into that format. The thing he does that I love, it's like there's a video of Alessandro Cortini and Don Buchla performing on stage together. And it's the most simple musical thing. And it's very musical, a little sequence arpeggio, very basic musical line but it's a whole sonic exploration beyond that. And Kyle's just kind of nailing that with different sequence lengths, transposing sequences, layering long and slow patterns over each other. It's very musical for, you know, what some people may think of a West Coast instrument, a Buchler or a Surge. It's a very musical piece, but then all the dissonance and the distortion and the kind of nastiness comes from all this modulation, FM, AM, wave, folding, audio rate stuff. It's nice to hear that coupled with melody and kind of musical sensibility as well. Yeah, for sure. And I listened to uh, Carl actually not long ago on uh, Darwin Gross's podcast, which is Art Music Technology. If you haven't heard that, go out and find it. But he was on there and Darwin was saying, how the hell do you have this musical structure where you're taking sort of verses, choruses type of approach uh, start with a sound, go off to a different one, and then bring that back round. You know, Darwin's absolutely encapsulated by how he does that. One thing that you can hear in that example, which is really nice, I know Kyle had just got, and I can't remember the model number, a mixer, a 200 series Buchler mixer module that has CV panning. And I think it's the modulation oscillator at sub-audio rates on the 259 is modulating the panning but that's been sequenced. Right. Yeah. So musical information's kind of changing pitches. The rate of the panning, kind of blowing around like an LFO, yeah. is changing as well. And that's nice. The kind of, the head spinning effect in headphones of the panning going on is nice that it's changing. It's not just a static, you know, slow drift from side to side. Again, I'd really just like to thank everyone involved with the trip out to the US, both, again, Modular Seattle and Patchworks for kind of getting me out to velocity. That's why the whole thing started. And then Patchworks, again, when we were discussing, you know, when I'd fly in and would I leave the day after or two days after for offering to extend this day and help me being out there for longer and sponsoring all this content that's to come. And just everyone, there was a ton of volunteers at Velocity helping such a big thing like that run. And just how kind of mobile and ready to go and support each other that scene was. It was pretty amazing, really. Way more than anywhere else that I've seen. Our kind of suspicions were right before, you know, we spoke about this before I went. It's just this new mobile emerging supportive scene. And I don't know, I hope it stays. It's getting a bit gushy and romantic about it, but it does just have this kind of magic vibe to it. The right size, the right kind of people, just enough companies to artists kind of ratio. Just, yeah, really amazing trip. We've always said, hey, that just looks like a great scene out there, doesn't it? And I was on Insta and I seen a photograph come from Tim. And it was uh, you, Carl, and Tim, the podcast homies, I think he called it. I was like, oh, I want to be out there now. It just looked really good and exciting. And I love being in, in vibrant, exciting, creative scenes. Because, again, looking at it from an artist perspective, it really pushes you. It's like New York, you know, in the sort of abstract expressionist era when you've got all these artists come together, all having influence on each other. And it was just this sort of vibrant, hot pot of creativity. And it's almost like that's in Seattle for the modular scene. And the one thing I like about modular and that sort of scene is it's it's really got art connections. And I believe that a lot of artistic endeavours can go in and be matched 
with the modular scene and it seems to be going in that direction it just looks a fun scene over there at the moment yeah it's as simple as just being around people that are kind of like hey are you into this yeah i'm into this too cool let's do something it's that at its core and them all wanting to make it happen and i hope velocity becomes an annual event and they can have this kind of one big kind of pivot in their year that is velocity and bring everyone in because they've really brought a lot of the scene together and it'd be nice if well, I can go again for a start. I'm putting that out there if any of them are listening. <laughs> but that we can go over together and some more people from Europe as well because it's nice to see. It's a very different, not that in the UK or Europe the events are bad or negative in any way. There's a lot of good events around with great people. But there's just yeah. something about that one that I hope more of us can go out and witness. And hopefully all the videos to come give a sense of what that trip was. And beyond my jet lag, you can kind of see the state and mood good state and mood that I was in while I was out there. Yeah, no, it sounds like you had a brilliant time. Hopefully I'll, I'll get over next year if they do have another one. And yeah, I've enjoyed it. Can't wait to see all your videos out. When are you going to start dripping them out and how long will it take you? Do you think, Ben, you've got quite a bit of stuff to get through, haven't you? Yeah, they're going to be spread between my normal kind of demo work as I get back into the swing of everything else that yeah. I do. We don't want to just hit everything all at once. You know, two weeks no. solid of performance uploads and nothing else. We're going to spread it out a bit keep it kind of alive and in people's minds um i've got a hard drive we've decided that was ordered and is going to be shipped to me with content from velocity they had such an amazing switching video rig multiple cameras in every room three different rooms going at once and it's multiple terabytes of data so although i have been downloading bits of it they're just going to ship me over a hard drive Um, bits i've got from my trip uh, they'll be coming up soon around the time this podcast goes live you'll start to see more videos and it'll be part velocity event part diff kids west coast adventure demos it'll just start interspersing itself between everything else brilliant well i think that about wraps it up for this show i've really enjoyed this one because i were talking about a passion that we've had for the last several months which is tape and the velocity event sounded absolutely amazing just a quick apology that I have had a few emails that's coming from the website and I haven't got back to you yet. I will get back to you, honestly. Again, it's just been absolutely manic at the moment, but please leave any comments on there and we will endeavour to get back to you. We release this show every fortnight. So remember to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform. And if you're over there on your platform, then please give us a thumbs up or write us a review if you can. I'm going to say thank you everyone for writing reviews. We've had some great reviews. Really pleased about that. And in fact, I'm going to take those reviews from iTunes and put them on our website as well. So thank you everybody for commenting on the show. It's uh, much appreciated. And if you'd like to listen to the podcast with detailed show notes, then please head over to the website www.esotericmodulation.com. We also have a monthly newsletter over there that you can subscribe for if you wish. And do go check out those show notes for anything that we've mentioned. I definitely make use of that on other shows when there's little bits I want to check out and further information to be gained from some of the links. Yeah, and also we're on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I don't get on there very often, but I'm going to try and up that and start posting a bit more there. So just follow us on there and you'll get all the up-to-date information from us. Great. Well, I think that's it. That's a podcast. Let's go home. <laughs> that is the podcast. Let's go home. Yeah. Um, thanks a lot, Ben, for this one because I've really enjoyed this, and especially because we've been talking about tape and going all through that. It's been a good one to be part of. Great. Well, we shall see everyone next time. See you, Ben. Bye. Bye.